Shalom to all. Today's office will come off and we are starting about the eighth line at the two dots with a quote from the Mishnah. And today's office sponsor, Lila Nishmas, Mars Merim Sar, Basar Yaakov Maisha, Hernish Shalma should have an Aliyah. And Lila Nishmas, Mars Fredichai Bela, Basar Yitzchak Tzvi, Hernish Shalma should have an Aliyah. So Mishnah was talking about where Shimon had stolen something from Ruvain. He swore falsely and then admitted that he swore falsely. So now he has to return the item or its value to Ruvain. So Mishnah told us that he's not allowed to send it with Ruvain's son or with his Shliach and he has to go travel to wherever Ruvain is and hand it over to him personally. So now the Gemara discusses a shliach. Itmar was stated shliach shasoy ba'edim, a shliach that was appointed with edim. Namely, we have a similar case to our Mishnah. Shimon has something of Ruvain's, so Ruvain appointed a shliach in front of edim to get it from Shimon, but he never informed him. Hey Shimon, I want you to give my thing to the shliach. So Chizda Amar Chizda tells us have a shliach. He is considered a shliach, and therefore when Shimon hands the item over to the shliach, he's completely free from all responsibility because considered like he gave it to Ruvain himself. Whereas Rabbi Amar Rabbi says, well, I have a shliach that's not considered a shliach. Now Chizda Amar Chizda says have a shliach that's a shliach. Lachit archiv okim ba'edim delik rishusay. That's all reason why he's my shriach himself to appoint the shliach in front of Edim so they could be considered in his rishos. Whereas Rabbi Amr Leib Shliach Rabbi says not considered shliach. Hachikamer, this is all the person saying by appointing a shliach in Ishmahemnehu. He's considered trusted to me. Isamcha Samoch. If you want to rely on him, then great. And therefore, you buy l'shidur biyade shad biyade. If you want to send the item with him, you could send it with him. But it's not that it's considered like you gave it to me when you send it with him, and you're still responsible for it until it gets to me. So I'm going to try to bring a question of Chizda. Tanan, we have a mishnah that says Hashalas Sapara, someone who borrows a cow, v'shel chaviyad b'noy b'had avde. And he sends it with his son, Evid or Shliach, or sent with his son, Evid or Shliach of the Shail, who may send that he died on the way, Potter, he's Potter. Meaning the Shail is Potter because it's not considered like it ever got to him. It's still considered to be in the Rishos of the Mashal, the guy that owns the cow. So now the what's the case of the Shliach of this Mishal we just quoted? If the Shliach was never appointed with Edim, how do we know he's a Shliach in the first place? Elmaso must be the Asab Edim, where the Shliach was appointed with Edim, and nonetheless, Victani the Mishal says the Potter, that he's Potter, and Kashal of Chizda. This is a kash on Rav Chizda, that I just told us that when a shliach is appointed in front of Edim, he is considered 100% shliach. And therefore, when the item, in this case the cow, is handed over to him, so it's considered like it was given to the shayel himself. So, my answer is this mission is not a question of Rav Chizda. It's like Rav Chizda said on something else, which we're going to see in a moment. It's talking about Sechiru Lekitai, and we'll explain this in a second. So, to be here in this mission of Sechiru Lekitai, we're talking about Sechiru Lekitai. Now, what is Sechiru Lekitai? So, Sechiru literally means his sachir, somebody whom he hired, and Lekitai literally means somebody whom he gathered in. In, which according to Rashi either means a person whom he hired to gather his grain or a person who he gathered into his house, meaning he took this fellow into his house, kind of like a boarder, someone for companionship. And these two people are not officially shluchim in the sense that the moment they receive the item, it's like the one who sent them received it. It just means that they're a person who's trusted by the person who sent them, but they're still not considered an official shliach. And therefore, this Mishnah that we just quoted is not a question of Chizda. But now we attempt another question from our Mishnah. Tanan, our Mishnah said, The Gazan, in his attempt to return the stolen item, is now allowed to give it to his son or the shliach. Now, what's the shleich that's being spoken about in the Mishnah? If the shleich wasn't appointed in front of Edim, so how do we know that he's officially a shleich? El Ava must be the Soba Edim, that he was appointed with Edim, and still we see that it's not considered an official shleich. Question of Chizda. So Gemara says, Take him Chizda. Chizda explains what's our Mishnah talking about, and therefore he's a known fellow and he's technically trusted, but since he's not officially a shleich, that's why the item's not allowed to be sent with him. Asking him, hold one second. My, what would that lacha be in our Mishnah if it was a type of shleich that was appointed in front of Edim? Does that mean that he would be considered an official shliach and the Goslin would be allowed to send the item with him? Well, if that's true, Adatani Seifa, instead of teaching the Seifa the Mishnah, that the Goslin is allowed to give the item to a shliach Bezdin, well, if that's so, why don't we just make the differentiation and teach it in the Risha itself? That if the shliach was appointed in front of Edim, then he would be a valid shliach. Namely, instead of the Mishnah saying that he can't send it with a shliach, but he could send it with a shliach Bezdin, just say he can't send it with a regular shliach, but he could send it with a shliach that was appointed in front of Edim. And the Mishnah 
didn't say that. So the Gemara answer is not a problem. Ami, they said, The reason why the Mishnah didn't say that is because it's not psikole. It's not a clear cut statement which applies across the board. Shleich Bezin, an official Shleich of Bezin, it doesn't make a difference if the Nigzal or the Gazlan appoint this fellow to be a Shleich. Have a Shleich, he's officially considered a Shleich. Psikole, so that's something that's all across the board and it's a very clear cut din, and that's why the Mishnah said it. Or Shleich Hasab Edim, a Shleich that was appointed in front of Edim, the Chiasai Nigzal, who'd have a Shleich. It's only if the Nigzal, the one who was stolen from, appointed him in front of Edim, then he's considered a valid Shleich. Or as a Sai Gazlan, Loy have a Shleich. If the Gazlan appointed him, he's not considered a Shleich, and therefore Loy Psikole, it wasn't clear cut to the Tano, and that's why he couldn't talk about a Shleich that was appointed in front of Edim. Because sometimes that's a valid Shliach, but sometimes that's not a valid Shliach. And that's why Tana chose to say Shliach Bezdin and not Shliach Rasoi Be'edim. Now the Gemara tells us that this is excluding the following Tana. The Tana you have Brazil, Shimon Allah, Zer he tells us Shliach Bezdin Shasai Nigzal. If the Nigzal appointed a Shliach Bezdin to go get his item for him, and the Gazlan did not appoint him, or the Gazlan appointed a Shliach, and then this guy, meaning the Nigzal, sent his own person and took it from the Shliach's hand, Pater, he's Pater. Meaning if something happens to the item on the Derech to the Nigzal, the Gazlan is Pater. And that's because the Nigzal already took it himself, or the Nigzal sent his Shliach to take it. But if the Gazlan had sent his own Shliach and something happened, the Gazlan would be Chayiv, according to Mishim Lazar. But according to what we had just said previously, the way we understand our Mishnah is that it doesn't make a difference who appoints the Shliach, the Gazlan, or the Nigzal. The moment the Shliach Bezdin has it, it's already considered like it's returned to the Nigzal. I think when Tazer, Bichar, Blazer, Dom, Chavai, who both of them say, Shliach Shasai Be'edim, if Shliach was appointed in front of Edim, Hava Shliach, he is considered an official Shliach. I think Mar says, Vim Tayyar Mishnah Seinu, you might say, but what about our Mishnah? Our Mishnah says that he's not allowed to send it with a Shliach. And so we can answer as follows, we're talking about where he made a shliach available to him. What does that mean? To Amarle, he told him, meaning the Nigzal told a fellow, Isli Zuzigabe Planyo, I have money by that guy. That guy stole money from me and he owes it to me. But he's not sending it. So it's Chazile, why don't you go appear to him? Maybe he simply didn't find anyone to send it with, and that's why he's not returning me my money. So go and offer your services to him that you'll be the shliach to bring the money to me. That's not considered an official appointing of a shliach, and that's what Amish is talking about, that the Goslin should not send it with this fellow because he's not considered an official shliach. In Ami, alternatively, we can answer that what's Amish referring to, like where Chizda answered previously, he's a fellow who's trusted and known to the Nigzal, but again, he's not considered an official shliach, and that's why the Goslin shouldn't send the item or the money with this fellow. And then continues, Amar Vyud Amar Shmuel, Vyud says Vashem Shmuel, Kofta Alam Abiz on top, Emishalchan Mois Bidyokni, one is allowed to send money with a Diokni. What does that mean? So again, we have a classic case where Shimon owes Ruvain money, and Ruvain sends a shliach with a Diokni, which is like a simon of sorts that he's supposed to show Shimon that Ruvain sent me to get the money. And what we're saying over here is that Shimon is not allowed to send the money with his diokni because the fellow is not considered an official shliach of Ruvain. And Vafilu Edom Chasuman allow, even if there's Edom signed on this diokni, where Ruvain is basically having Edom sign that I want you to give the money to this guy, still Shimon shouldn't give it to him. However, Rabbi Rabbi Yechon says, if there's Edom signed on it, Mishalchan, he could send it. Now, Amin Shmuel, asked Shmuel, my takanta. So what's he able to do? Ruvain needs to get his money from Shimon. He's not physically able to go himself. So how is he supposed to get his money from Shimon? And the answer is, just like the story of Abba. Half a massive Zeus is he had money by Rav Yosef Bar Chama, meaning Rav Yosef Bar Chama owed Rav Abba money. And Amr later Rav Safra, Rabbi Abba told Rav Safra, behind the Asis, when you're coming back from there, meaning you're going to be by Rav Yosef Bar Chama, so when you're coming back, I send Ali and bring me the money. So Kiyazul Hasam, when Rav Safra went there, when he went to Rav Yosef Bar Chama, and he asked Rav Yosef Bar Chama for the money so that he could bring it to Rav Abba, I'm like Rav Abrei, Rav Rav Yosef's son asked Rav Safra, did he write for you? It's as if I've accepted it, meaning did Rav Abba write you an official note to give to my father Rav Yosef that states, when you give the money to Rav Safra, it's as if I've accepted it. So Amr'alei, Rav Safra told him, Loi, he didn't give me such a note. So Rav told him, Yachiv, that's so, Zilberesha, go back to him, v'yichtavilcha, and he'll write for you his kabalti, it's as if I've accepted it, and then you'll be able to get the money. Now, Lusayf, at the end, meaning at the end of this conversation, Amr'alei, Rav told him, Yachiv, you want to know what, even if he would have written this note for you, his kabalti, it's as 
if I've accepted it, Lav Kolmu, that wouldn't be valid anyway. Why is that? Because Doma Ases, maybe in the interim, when you're going from Rav Abba to Rav Yosef, Shach of Rav Abba, it could be that Rav Abba died because Rav Abba was very old. So it's possible that he would have died along the way. And then the money that he's owed by my father of Yosef would have fallen to his Yosemim. And then this note there of Abba would have written for you, his Kabalti, it's as if I've accepted the money. That wouldn't have been valid anyway because it's not his money to accept anymore. It's his kids. So I'm a of Safra told Abba, so what can I do? How am I able to fix up a situation that I'm able to now bring the money to Rav Abba? So Rav told him, Zil go back to Rav Abba and he'll be making the money to you agav a piece of property. And that's a possibility. And that works halachically. A person is able to be making a metal and agav a piece of property. And then at you should come and then you write for us his kabalti. Because since the money is now officially considered yours, when you're given the money, you're able to write us this his kabalti note and then we'll be able to give the money to you to bring to Rav Abba. And we see something very similar. Kyalder Papa have a massive tracer alpha Zuzi Bechuzai. There were people in Bechuzai. The order of Papa 12,000 Zuzim. And Akninu Niyale, the Rav Shmuel Abba, Agav Asefid Bese. Rav Papa was making his money to Rav Shmuel Abba, Agav the threshold of his house. They could pick it up for him in Bechuzai. And Ki also, when Rav Shmuel Abba was coming back with the money, Nafik Lapea Tavach, Rav Papa went to go greet him all the way to a place called Tavach because he was so happy that he was bringing him this money. And the Gwar continues to explain the Mishnah, Nasal is a Karen Vuchulu. This is referring to the part of Mishnah where the Gazlan had returned the Karen. He returned the object itself or the value of the object itself, but he didn't return the Chaimesh. And the Mishnah had said that even though in regards to the Karen, the Gazlan has to go all the way to Madai, meaning he has to travel to a really far place to make sure that he physically hands over the stolen object or the money to the Nigzal. When it comes to Chaimesh, he doesn't have to do so. Sanagmar says, Amo Chaimesh Maynohu. We see from here that the Chaimesh is considered Mominus. Because by the fact that the Mishnah says he doesn't have to travel all the way to Madai to drop off the Chaimesh personally, it must be that the Chaimesh is considered a Mominus payment. And the Chidush of the Mishnah is that he doesn't have to schlep so far. Because it was just considered a Knas or a Kapara, so of course he wouldn't have to schlep to Madai to pay it. And the Mishnah wouldn't have to tell us that. And therefore, what do we learn from here? Vimayas, if the Gazlan dies, Mishamale Yarshim, the Yarshim would have to pay that Chaimesh. Utnanami and the Mishnah says this as well. Let's say he paid the Karen and he made a false Shvu regarding the Chaimesh. He has added another Chaimesh onto that Chaimesh. Amu, see from here as well. That the Chaimesh that he has to pay is considered Mominus. And that's why when he swears falsely about the Chaimesh, he has to pay a Chaimesh for that Chaimesh. I mean, if a bride is just like this, if a person steals from his friend, and he makes a Shvu, and he dies, Yarshim Shalom Karen Chaimesh, the Gazlan's Yarshim have to pay a Karen or Chaimesh, and their Pater from the Karben Asham. So we see very clearly that the Chaimesh is considered Mominus, because if not, the Yarshim wouldn't have to pay it. However, the Gemara asks, the Yarshim really have to pay the fifth of their father? Why would they have to do so? Skip the parentheses. Roman will ask you, Stira. We have a Raz that says, I still can say, When is it that a son does not have to pay a Chaimesh for that which his father stole? That's when neither him nor his father swore falsely. How do you know in all these situations where one of them or even both of them swore falsely, he still does not have to pay a chaimesh for that which his father stole? Tamalim, because the Pasuk says, Asher Gazal Vasher Ashak. And what do we say? He, the son, he didn't steal and he didn't withhold. So we see clearly from his bride that the son does not have to pay a chaimesh for that which his father stole. Question on our Mishnah and the bride said it's just like our Mishnah. So Rav Nachman, Nachman answers, like Asher is no problem. In our Mishnah, Bryce said it says that he does have to pay his father's chaimesh. That's where he was Maida, and therefore he has to pay the Chaimesh. Whereas the price that we just quoted, the son does not have to pay the Chaimesh to the father, is referring to where there was no Haida, and therefore there's no Chaimesh payment. Ask the Gemara, Eli Haida, if the price that we just quoted is talking about where the father wasn't Maida, so Karen Namile Mishalim, he doesn't have to pay Karen either, because if he wasn't Maida to making a false Shvua, there's no payment, not a Chaimesh or a Karen. But the price that says that he has to pay the Karen, just not the Chaimesh. And if you want to say, Hachinami, you're right, Dolan Mishalim, that he doesn't have to pay the Karen either, that can't be because of the Kamahadar Chaimesh, since the whole discussion in the Brisa is about the Chaimesh, Lemarim the Karen Mishalim. That tells us very clearly that he does have to pay the Karen. Vine, and furthermore, Tanya, the Brysa continues saying, but 
still say, When is it that he pays the Karen for that which his father stole? That's when him and his father swore falsely. How do we know if either one of them swore falsely or neither of them swore falsely that he would still have to pay for the Karen of that which his father stole? Tamalim, because the Pasuk says, Yesh Talmud. Now that's a statement. And we continue explaining this. Rav Huna was sitting and saying this memory over. And Amalie Rabbah Berei, Rabbah his son, meaning Rabbah Rav Huna's son, asked him, Yesh Talmud Ka'amar Mar, Oi Yesh Talmud Ka'amar Mar. When you ended off this Braisa by saying the words Yesh Talmud, were you saying the words Yesh Talmud, meaning there is a Limud? In other words, there's a Limud from the Pasuk that Midai Raisa, the son, would have to pay for the Karen of his father? Or were you just saying Yesh Talmud, that he has to pay it, meaning logically, Misvar, he has to pay it, but not that there's a source Midai Raisa? So Amalie, he told him, Yesh Talmud Ka'amina, I'm saying that there is a Limud, Umeriburi the Kray, and it's from multiple extra psukim that we have that we learn that the son has to pay for the Karen of his father. We see very clearly, even from the safe of this Brisa, that the Karen of that which his father stole has to be paid for, whereas the Rasha says that the Chaimish doesn't have to be paid for. And again, that's a problem with our Mishnah and the Brisa that came as a support for that as well, that seems to say that the son does have to pay for the Chaimish. I mean, they said, El Loy Haida. What does that mean that he didn't admit? Loy Haida Aviv Haida Benoy. It means the father didn't admit to owing, but the son admitted. And that's why the son would have to pay for the Karen, but not for the Chaimish, because the father never admitted. Ask the Gemara, if you're saying that the son admitted to swearing falsely, so he should have to pay a chaymesh for his own false shvuah. So I mean, the answer, we're talking about where the gzela is not kaim over here. If we have the original object that was stolen, he would have to pay a chaymesh. The son would have to pay a chaymesh for making a false shvuah. But since we don't have the original object over here, the son doesn't have to pay a chaymesh. Ask the if you want to say the original object that was stolen is not here, and it's just a monetary payment that's being made, so the son shouldn't have to pay for the karen either, because it was the father that stole the object, and the object's not here anymore. So why does the son have to pay for that? The Gemara says, Let's We're talking about a scenario where there's a chayas, which means the father left over property, and the property is mashubid to pay for that thing that the father stole. And therefore, the son has to pay for the karen with this property, but he doesn't have to pay for chaymesh because the original object is not here. Ask the Gemara, Who cares if there's a chayas Who cares if there's property here? Melvape, this is just like an oral halva. When we're dealing with an oral halva, that's not collected from Yarshim or from Lakuchais. And this is like halva alpe. When Shimon steals something from Ruvain, and now he owes him money for that gazela that's not written down in any document, so it's like a verbal halva. And even though Shimon has property to pay Ruvain back, his Yarshim still don't have to use that property to pay for the Karen, because we just quoted him, So again, we're still trying to figure out why the son would have to pay for the Karen and not the Chaimesh. If he has to pay for the Karen, he has to pay for the Chaimesh, and if he doesn't have to pay for the Chaimesh, he doesn't have to pay for the Karen. What's the situation that he pays just for the Karen and not for the Chaimesh? So I mean, the answer is, you're right. We're talking about where the father already was Ahmed Bedin, and there was already sack that he has to pay, and that's why the son has to cover for that. As the Gemara Yishalim Bedin, if we're talking about where the father was Ahmed Bedin already, so then the son should have to pay for the Chaimish as well. So Rav Huna he answers It's because a person doesn't have to pay for Chaimish on a Kfiras Shibud Karkais. What do we have over here? The father Shimon stole something. He was Ayman Bedin Bezin Paskin. He has to pay it back. The item that he stole is not here anymore, which means he owes money. And Shimon happens to have property that that could be collected from. Then Shimon died, so Shimon's son is taking care of this whole business. Shimon's son makes a false shvua that he doesn't owe anything. And then he admits afterwards that he does owe. So what was he making a false shvua about? Not about the gzela, not about the thing that was stolen. It's about the chi of mominus that came because of the thing that was stolen. And that's just a shibud karkais. It's just a shibud on Shimon's property. And a person doesn't have to pay a chaymesh for kfira in regards to shibud karkais. So that's why the son only has to pay for the karen, but not for the chaymesh. Now Rav Amr, he gives a different answer. Hachamayskin, what are we talking about over here? Kagan has to disguise shal avim mufkedes A whole pouch of his father's was deposited by somebody else and the stolen object was actually in that pouch. And the son didn't know about that pouch that was by other people and therefore 
therefore he made a shvua. I don't have it. I don't have the item. I don't owe you anything. And therefore, Karen Mishalem do Isay. The son has to pay the Karen for making this false shvua because it's actually here. The object is in the pouch. Whereas Chaimish Lamishalem, the son doesn't have to pay a Chaimish for that false shvua. The Chi Ishtaba Because when he made that shvua, it was a correct shvua. It was true. The Holoi Havayada. Because he didn't know. Again, as we said, he didn't know that this pouch of his father's stuff, including the item that was stolen, was by somebody else. So when he made the false shvua, it was really true. Mitzad him. He thought he was making a true shvua. And that's why he doesn't have to pay a Chaimish for that. But again, this whole Brysa we just explained is not a question on our Mishnah and Brysa that says that he does have to pay a Chaimish because this Brysa happens to be talking about a unique situation. But in other situations, the son would have to pay for the Chaimish of the father. We're going to stop here for the day and pick up tomorrow and continue to explain the Mishnah. For now, everyone should have a wonderful day.